0: Hey everybody, Brian McClanahan here. The woke madness in history education is off the rails. Well, how do we change it? McClanahanAcademy.com And because you listen to this podcast, if you use the coupon code PODCAST at checkout, you get 25% off every day, all day, 365 days a year on every class at McClanahanAcademy.com So go to McClanahanAcademy.com, use coupon code PODCAST at checkout and get a real history education at 25% off. Is the greatest threat to America anti-constitutionalism? We'll talk about that on this episode of The Brian McClanahan Show. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to The Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to be back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B R I O N. mclanahan.com. While you're there, give me that email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, free audiobook of the same title, read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to McClanahanacademy.com, purchase one or 20 classes there, my latest class. The Age of Jackson is for sale for $80 off using the coupon code Destiny. You also can use the coupon code PODCAST and get 25% off all day long. Lots of great ways to support the show. And, of course, uh, you know support the show financially through McClanahan Academy. And that class is, the classes are win-win. You get great content and you keep this podcast free of charge. You can also click on the support tab at BrianMcClanahan.com. The Super Thanks button under the video if you're watching on YouTube. Go to Spotify for podcasts you become a member there click on the shop tab, get my logo and all kinds of cool stuff, or purchase one of my books. All those are great ways to support the show financially. But as always, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Let people know you love it. Share it around on social media. Leave it at five-star review. Leave a text review wherever you can. And comment on YouTube for the algorithm. Those are great ways to get more eyes and ears on the show. And send me those show requests like this. This is actually a listener-generated episode. Uh, It is... Uh, fun when I get these and I think, yeah, that's really good. I want to talk about that. So a listener sends this episode, a link to this. It's a, it's an article by Jonathan Turley, who I've talked about on this show before. It's at Fox News. And the title is The Single Single Greatest Threat to America is Hiding in Plain Sight. The Single Greatest Threat to America is Hiding in Plain Sight. And in many ways, Turley thinks that's anti-constitutionalism. It's, it's a loss of faith in our governing structure. The question is why? I mean, yesterday I talked about this. We have an ol- corporate olig- oligarchy or a political class that's fused with government. Uh, a, a corporate class is fused with government to create a situation where you have the monster that Jefferson and Taylor and all the old Republicans worried about. I mean, that's what we have. In fact, it's not the Constitution. I mean, they don't even follow the thing. The Constitution doesn't provide any of this stuff. The real threat to America is a loss of federalism. Um, And if you want to abide by that constitution, then yeah, I mean, that is a threat. But the people that say that we don't really care about the constitution anymore, they're just being honest. They haven't cared about the constitution for 150 plus years. The left hasn't cared about it. The right really hasn't cared about it. Anytime you're seeing centralization of power and the way that we've done it, they don't care about it. The fact that the Republican Party would pass, would help the Democrats pass a budget that's so full of unconstitutional legislation, uh, they're, they're complicit. They don't care about the Constitution. Nancy Pelosi can stand up and say, well, it's constitutional because we said it is. Well, that's what they do. So let me read the article because I find it fascinating. Charlie says, A startling poll was released last week showing that a majority of voters not only view the opposing party as a threat to the nation, but justifying violence to combat their agenda. I mean, this is a problem, but why? I've talked about it on this on this show before. Why are Americans so angry? Because we have extreme centralization of power. It's what Nicole Williams mentioned yesterday. There is, there is a problem. We are only. It's like you go into the to the doctor and you say, "Look, um, I've got all these symptoms uh, of this issue." And let's say you have a really a bad, You have a cancer, right? And and you go in and you've got all the symptoms of the cancer. And the doctor says to you, "Well, sounds like you're pretty sick. Uh, for the pain, take a couple of Tylenol or a couple of Advil, um, and uh, because you're in pain, and um, you know that'll that'll make it better. Instead of trying to cut the cancer out or go through treatment or whatever it is that would be for to solve the issue, hopefully, that's not what you're going to do. You're just going to treat the symptoms. I'm in pain. I don't feel good. I'm tired." And, Take some caffeine to get over the, being tired, uh, but you've got a disease, right? So the, you're just treating the symptoms. The disease, the cancer in government, is nationalization. The cancer in government is extreme centralization. And all we're doing by saying, "Well, uh, uh, we have to, you know, follow the constitution," or "We gotta, we gotta do this," we gotta believe in democracy. You're, you're just—it's just band-aids. The real issue is the abuse of the Constitution that's the problem by both parties over 150 plus years or even longer Turley says the poll captures a crisis of faith that I've been writing about for over a decade as an academic and a commentator many now question democracy as a a sustainable system of government It represents the single greatest threat to this nation a citizenry that has lost faith not just with our system of government but with each other each other. So the threat is that we've lost faith in democracy. lost faith faith in each other and of course, the Constitution. Well you should nobody really should have faith in the Constitution to do anything, not when the political class does whatever they want. The Constitution is no barrier. This is what Calhoun pointed out in 1837. The Constitution is no barrier. You can do government can do whatever it wants. There's no barrier there. It's a paper parchment. It doesn't do anything. It's, it's nothing. A paper tiger. This, this means nothing. The polls by the University of Virginia Center for Politics shows a nation at war with itself. 52% of Biden supporters say Republicans are now a threat to American life, while 47% of Trump supporters say the same about Democrats. So it's interesting there that the Republicans are not the majority on that. They still think Democrats are good, well-meaning people. And look, I will tell you, the average voter, whether they vote Democrat or Republican, is just doing it because, well, they think it's their civic duty. They don't, they don't think about all these things, and they're not, they don't look at the person next door that might be a Democrat. Most people don't look at that as, as a Republican as you know a threat to them. You have the crazy people that do. You have the kooks, the real Yankees out there. They'll do it, but most people just are like, yeah, all right. Well, I don't agree with you, but that's okay. let's talk about football or something else. That's most people. But it's amazing that 52% of Democrats, so one out of two Democrats on your street, if you're against them, is going to think that you're a threat. The other one probably won't. They'll look at the one that thinks you're a threat as a crazy person, but they won't say anything about it. Among Biden supporters, 41% now believe violence is justified to stop Republicans from achieving their goals. That is scary. We're getting to a point where political violence is becoming on the is 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 being discussed as being an option. It's on the table, and we see it with riots and other things. I mean, an almost identical percentage—38 percent—of Trump supporters now embrace violence to stop Democrats. That's dangerous. Americans are angry, but they don't understand the disease. They understand the symptoms, which is Biden, Trump. They're the symptoms. The disease is centralization. The disease is, is avoiding, or at least abusing, the original Constitution. You want everything to get better? As Nicole Williams pointed out yesterday in the end of her piece, you got to decentralize. It's the only solution to any of this. Not surprisingly, many of these people have lost faith in democracy, whatever that means. Is it majoritarian rule? Is it simple majoritarian rule? Is it, it supermajority rule? I mean, we don't even know what this means. Some 31% of Trump supporters believe that the nation should explore alternative forms of government. Roughly a quarter of Biden supporters also question the viability of democracy. What alternate forms of government? I mean, I know I've I've, I've seen people on social media, they talk about monarchy and other things. Um, What do they mean by alternate forms of government? That's an open question. Could we say that we should have regional government? Uh, that has a a check on extreme centralization of power. I mean, what does this actually mean? These are are big questions. Faith is the one thing that no system of government can do without. Without faith in the underlying values of a constitutional system, authority rests on a mix of coercion and capitulation. Faith, look, I'll say this again. No one should have faith that the Constitution is going to protect anything because the political class in Washington, D.C. doesn't abide by the Constitution. This is not an insurrectionist message at all. It's just based on what's happened. If we had a real federal system, you could have faith in it. If we had real checks and balances, we could have faith in that. But the Congress punts its responsibility to the general government, or to the presidency, I'm sorry. The Supreme Court is a political body now, that that, it has been for a very long time. It makes political decisions, not legal decisions based on whatever the whim of the majority happens to be at that time. The states have been completely emasculated, at least in theory. And so we don't really have a system that works. Now, if we had real federalism, that would be a system that works. And it worked until the nationalists got upset with it and started agitating. That's the real issue in American history. For years, I've written about this growing loss of faith and how it has been fueled by our intellectual and political elites. In the echo chamber of news and social media, citizens constantly hear how the opposing party is composed of traitors and how the constitutional system works to protect enemies of the people. Viewers now get a steady diet of figures like MSNBC commentator Ellie Mistel, who called the U.S. Constitution trash and argued that we should simply just dump it. Well, they're saying the the quiet thing out loud. They've been doing that for years. I mean, MSNBC, a leftist, saying they should dump the Constitution. They already have. When did the left even believe the Constitution should be followed? They haven't, unless you look at the Constitution as fabricated by the Supreme Court and Congress. They don't believe in the Constitution, or the 1868 Constitution. I remember I said this in a a post years ago. I called it the 1868 Constitution. You... There's no 1868 Constitution. you, You don't know what you're talking about. We just have the same Constitution. No, we don't. And this is what people are saying out loud now. Eric Foner on the left. Randy Barnett on the right, supposedly. We have the 1868 Constitution. Noah Feldman. People are saying, we don't have the 1787 Constitution anymore. 1788 is ratified. That Constitution's gone. We have this new Constitution. It's called the 14th Amendment, which means we can do anything we want. This is why 14th Amendment originalism is not really originalism. 14th Amendment originalism is do whatever you want to do, general government, because there's nothing you can do about it. Essentially, the 14th Amendment, as the left interprets it, and the right too, a lot of times, means we do not have a constitution. So when Ellie Mistel says we should just dump it, it's already been dumped. It's been dumped a long time ago. In a New York Times column, the Constitution is broken and should not be reclaimed. Law professors Ryan D. Uh, Doeffler of Harvard and Samuel Moyen of Yale called for the Constitution to be radically altered, to reclaim America from constitutionalism. They've already done it through Supreme Court cases. This is the funniest thing about all this stuff. They've already done all this. The Supreme Court has already done it for them. They don't have to do anything. And the con- Who's stopping the Congress from passing unconstitutional legislation anymore? Can anyone tell me? Who does that? Nobody. Now, people like Jamel Bowie will worry, wring his hands. Oh, no. If the, We should take away the power of the, of the Supreme Court to declare things unconstitutional. Federal law. Not state law. We've got to knock down state law. And when you go back and you look at Supreme Court litigation or decisions over the years, the Supreme Court was very good at knocking down state laws in the Marshall court. They didn't knock down any federal laws but one. And until you get to 1857, they didn't knock down any federal law twice, right? Before the war, there were two decisions that knocked down a federal law. That's it. Two. Two. Um, And, I mean, that's remarkable. It wasn't until after the war that you started seeing the Supreme Court knock down more federal law because you had much more abuse of power. But, I mean, I could make the case that they were abusing power before that, too. But the, the court was providing cover for all of it. So they're more than willing to knock down state law, and they've done it over and over. Georgetown University Law School professor Rosa Brooks went on MSNBC's The Readout to lash out at Americans becoming slaves to the U.S. Constitution and that the Constitution itself is now the problem for the country. Again, I'd like all these lefties to show me where the Constitution has done anything to them. They get whatever they want. This is just rhetoric. Constitution is no block to the left. The Constitution offers no obstacle. What they worry about is the Supreme Court ruling against them because they say it's a political body. But even then it doesn't happen. Look, Obamacare is completely unconstitutional. The court ruled in favor of it anyways. I mean, we could go through this. The Supreme Court has done some really awful, with the conservatives on the bench, has made some really awful decisions based on the Constitution. Charlie says they're part of the radical chic that has become the norm in academia and widely embraced by the media. According to these law professors, the problem is not just our constitution, but constitutionalism in general. Others have argued that key protections or institutions should just be ignored. Constitutionalism, whatever that means. What is constitutionalism? What is the ideology of the constitution? Because that's what you're saying. There's an ideology of the constitution. Is that originalism? Uh, Is that believing that in the Constitution itself that there are checks and balances and there's power, there's general powers and there's state powers? I mean, is that constitutionalism or is that just an acknowledgement of what exactly actually exists? Are Are we complaining about written constitutions? Do we want an unwritten model like in Britain? I mean, this is what they're essentially advocating. We should just have an unwritten model and the courts decide whatever is legal or not. And that's what we've done. The weird thing about this is we've already done that in American society. That's already happened. Others have argued that key protections or institutions should just be ignored. In a recent open letter, Harvard Law professor Mark Tushnet and San Francisco State University political scientist Aaron Belkin called upon President Joe Biden to defy rulings of the Supreme Court that he considers mistaken in the name of popular constitutionalism. So again... We're, we're back to that. Just ignore the Constitution. Joe Biden should just refuse to enforce it. Now, they didn't like it when Andrew Jackson said that. They did like it when Abraham Lincoln said that. And they like it when Joe Biden said that. So again, all of this is political. The president has unilateral powers just to ignore the Constitution or ignore the Supreme Court. I mean, I can make a case that he does. Certainly. I can make a case the states have that power too. The Supreme Court is, I mean, it's powerless unless somebody's going to enforce it. And the Congress could take all of this away. The Congress could remove jurisdiction entirely or a whole host of things. This is what Jamel Bowie's advocating they do. <clears throat> Turley says, popular constitutionalism appears a form of discretionary or ad hoc compliance with constitutional law. If only popular constitutional rules are followed, the Constitution itself becomes a mere pretense for whatever the shifting majority or forming mob demands. Well, that's what it's been for years. Popular constitutionalism goes all the way back to the period right after the war. Even during the war. In fact, my next class at McClanahan Academy is How the Supreme Court Screwed Up America. It will be out soon. And I get into this in quite a lot of detail. Popular constitutionalism has been the way since John Marshall was on the bench. This is the fascinating thing about this. These people think this is something... I mean, Jonathan Turley should know better. He should know better. If you study enough history, you know this is this has been the case almost from the beginning. It's when I've said that the United States Constitution was destroyed in 1789... With the Judiciary Act of 1789, Section 25 in particular, that's when the Constitution was destroyed. It's never been the same since. Because you just appeal anything you want to a federal court, let some federal judge decide, even if it means that they're overstepping the powers of the general government. Traveling outside the the obriter dictum, right? Traveling outside the merits of the case. They do it all the time. They did it all the time in the 19th century. They do it all the time now. Politics have also contributed to this crisis of faith in challenging constitutional values or core institutions. Members like Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez have questioned the need for a Supreme Court. Well, (laughs) I I question that need too, right? And a lot of people have. Do we really need that? The state courts could do this. This is the point that the Richmond Junto pointed out. State courts can, make, can do these things. In fact, during the 1860s, the Confederacy never had a Supreme Court because they thought it was dangerous. So this, of course, would play into Victor Davis Hanson. See, the Confederacy is just a bunch of Democrats. The Confederacy is just the progressive Democrats right now. Alexandria Cosco see, they're just all Confederates. The real law people are the Republicans, who, by the way, said that we should just ignore the Supreme Court. <laughs> This is a nonpartisan thing. The Supreme Court, as people have recognized, is a political entity that creates problems. Others, like Senator Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts, have called for the packing of the Supreme Court to simply create an immediate liberal majority. Again, this has happened. Franklin Roosevelt didn't get his wish, but you know when it did happen? Right after the war in the 1860s. When the Supreme Court went against the Radical Republican agenda, they simply reduced the court to eight, and then when U.S. Grant could keep Andrew Johnson from appointing someone, and then when U.S. Grant was elected president, they bumped it back up to nine, so he got two appointments. So they swung the court in favor of the Republican Party. It's happened before. Don't think Congress wouldn't monkey with these things, because they have, for partisan political reasons. You study enough history, you realize all these things that Turley is wringing his hands over have happened before. Because the court has always been political. The Constitution has been dead for a long, long time. To say that we should just dump it. It's already been dumped. It was dumped before the war in the 19th century. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer Thrilled his base by ignoring by going to the steps of the Supreme Court to declare, I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. I mean, that's calling for violence against judges. And, of course, people did act out on this. I mean, that's, that's irresponsible rhetoric. I will say that. That's irresponsible for a member of Congress to do that. It's a little surprise that one man showed up at the home of Justice Kavanaugh to kill him for his awful decisions. Again, true. Conversely, former President Donald Trump has regularly denounced his political opponents as traitors and enemies of the people. He recently declared, if you go after me, I'm coming after you. I mean, this is Rome. It really is Rome. We're living in the days of Rome. I've talked about this before, where political opponents become fair game, right? Uh, And the, the Roman Senate took out their political opponents. Oh, thankfully, we're not there, and hopefully we'll never get there. But that's I mean this is corruption at the highest level. With leaders engaged in such reckless rhetoric, it's hardly surprising that the Constitution itself is now viewed as a threat to our nation rather than the very thing that defines us. It is designed to restrain the majority and protect those who are at the least popular in our society. I agree with them there, but how do you do it? When you have simple numerical majorities, this is Calhoun's main contention when he started talking about concurrent majorities. It doesn't work. It doesn't really protect minorities. And of course, what if the minority is an unpopular minority like, I don't know, rich people or uh, people that, um, you know, have unpopular views, political views? Does it it protect them? Clearly not. And the end of the Constitution remains a covenant not between citizens and their government, but between each other as citizens. No, that's incorrect. The current Constitution is a, is a compact between states <laughs> and the people of the states. It's not, a, it's not a social compact between citizens. That's ridiculous. It demands a leap of faith, a commitment that despite our differences, we will defend the rights of our neighbors. Article 7 is pretty clear what the Constitution is. It's a compact between the states are ratifying the same. I'm just reading what it says, but you know, hey, what do I know? If nothing else, the Constitution has one thing to recommend it. We are still here. It is a Constitution that survived economic and political upheavals. It survived a civil war in which hundreds of thousands were killed. Not really. It didn't survive the Civil War. (laughs) Not the original Constitution. That one's gone. Uh, That that one's been dead a long time. It didn't really survive any of that. I'll disagree with Jonathan Turley. The Constitution didn't survive the war. The Constitution really didn't survive the John Marshall Court. It is not a particularly poetic document. It was written by the ultimate wonk, James Madison. If you want truly inspirational prose, try any of the French constitutions. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, I mean. (laughs) The Declaration of the Rights of Man and of the Citizen is truly poetic. Not really. (laughs) It's pretty awful, too. Of course, they had more practice since they regularly failed. And he's talking about, of course, some of the other things that came out of it. The Third Republic, the Fourth Republic, the Fifth Republic, all that nonsense. Other countries based their constitutions on aspirational statements of the values that we shared. The Madisonian system spent as much time on what divided us and not only recognized the danger of factions, but created a system to bring such divisions to the surface where they could be addressed. The danger of other systems was realized when these divisions were left below the surface where they would fester and explode in the streets of Paris. The American constitution allowed for a type of controlled implosion toward the center of the system. These factional interests would be expressed and vented in the legislative branch. The Madisonian system does not hide our divisions. It invites their expression. Well, through federalism, right? I mean, that was the thing. The center only had clearly defined powers in Article One, Section 8. That was it. It was the only things. And that was foreign policy and commerce, essentially. That was it. Everything else should be addressed in the states. And this is how they sold it over and over again. These, these things didn't come to the surface and go to the center. That's only because that's what politicos decided to make happen in the United States. In fact, that's the real problem. The question is whether we have reached a time when the things that divide us will now overcome what unites us. This is not our first age of rage. Indeed, at the start of our republic, rivaling parties were not just figuratively trying to kill each other. They were actually trying to kill each other through laws like the Adonement and Sedition Acts. Thomas Jefferson would referred to the term of his predecessor, John Adams, as the reign of witches. I mean, that's true, but why was that a problem? Why was Jefferson so opposed to Madison? Because it was centralization, illegal centralization of power. That was the issue, and Turley misses it entirely. The age of rage is when you get extreme centralization of power. Yet that history is no guarantee that it can survive our current age of rage. The relentless attacks on the Constitution from the political, media, and academic elite has turned many into constitutional atheists. Again, if we're looking at the thing that's that's called the Constitution now, count me out. I mean, if we want to talk about the original, where it's federalism, then sure. Yet the future of our constitutional system may rest with the rising number of constitutional agnostics, those citizens who are simply disconnected or disinterested in the defense of our founding principles. Philosopher John Stuart Mill warned in 1867 that all it takes for evil to prevail is for good men to look on and do nothing. We are now in an existential struggle to preserve the values that founded the most successful constitutional system in the history of the world. Well, you could say that's Massachusetts, actually. It's been around longer, but I don't know. I mean, if we have written constitutions, if that's what he's talking about, then sure. Um, And, of course, he links to the U.S. Constitution. It is our legacy that can now be either boldly defended or by a grateful people or lost in the whimper of a disinterested generation. They're disinterested because they have no power. When your representative ratio is seven hundred thousand to one in the center, the government is completely corrupt and everybody knows it. Everybody looks at it. That's the real problem. You want to get people interested in government, think locally, act locally. And that's why I loved it. This piece was sent to me. I didn't I didn't see it until then. But this is so good because Turley is again, just simply addressing the symptoms of the disease rather than the disease itself. The disease itself is the extreme centralization of power in Washington, D.C. That's the disease. If you want to bring it back, go back to federalism. All right. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Brian McClanahan Show. See you tomorrow, or see you for the next one, wherever that is. See you then.